0: Welcome to another episode of the Amford Church Sermon Podcast. We're thrilled that you're taking the time to listen to what we have to say about God, the world, and you. These sermons are recorded live during our weekly Sunday morning services. To find out more about us or to plan a visit to join us, check out our website, amfordchurch.com. Again, thanks for listening and enjoy. filled with sadness and hurt. I mean, you don't have to think about life all that much to come to that conclusion, do you? You don't have to spend very much time with your eyes open, reading the newspaper, things that are going on around the globe, or just rubbing shoulders with people day to day to come to the conclusion that the world is filled with sadness and hurt. And that's one more step than the scariness of the world that we looked at last week, isn't it? That is another picture, another idea. It's not just something that's big and beyond us. It's something that seems to be filled with a darkness. A darkness. You'd expect the Bible to address this situation, wouldn't you? To address the world that we live in, not just in its bigness and its vastness, but in the hurt and the sadness, and the brokenness, and the darkness. And darkness is one of the ways that the Bible used to describe the world that we live in at the moment. And really, the short answer is, why is the world filled with sadness and hurt? The short answer that the Bible gives is us. You and me. And everybody else who populates this great big planet we call home. The short answer is, why is there so much sadness? Us. Every single one of us brings our own darkness into the world. Every single one of us contributes darkness in some way, big or small, even on a day-to-day basis. Now, I appreciate this doesn't sound, Reese, does it? Doesn't sound like an amazing introduction to an exciting and uh, inspiring sermon. But let's, let's go, let's go with this. Because the Bible not only gives us that plain answer, but like a doctor comes and shines a light. Have you ever seen that on TV or experienced that in your life when there's a problem and the doctor comes and says, ah, on your mouth, and "Ah." And they look in, and they're looking for symptoms. You've got a sore throat or something, and they shine the light in, and they're looking for symptoms to show what the problem really is. The Bible presents the picture that the darkness... A lot of it is to do with us, but it goes further than that and describes some of the symptoms that have led us to that place. Why is the world so filled with hurt? Three words are going to come up on the screen, um, and I'm going to encourage us all, okay, this morning to have a go at saying them, okay? These are three of the symptoms that describe the sickness, if you like. That we have as human beings. Okay, say that first one, chata. chata. Give it a bit of a ch- ch- chata. Okay, that's the first one. Khata. The next one, pesha. Pesha, that's easy. And this last one, let's go with avon. Avon. Okay, so chata. Pesha. Avon. I've got absolutely no idea if that's right, because I don't speak Hebrew, and I've not heard anybody reading them out, but there we go. Let's try them like that. Um, And I want us to think about these three words that the Bible uses over and over and over again to describe us and our humanity. And I've deliberately not put the English words that we often use up, because I think the problem with the English words that we often use is that we're either familiar with them, and so the impact is totally lost. They're just words for badness, and that is it. Or we see them when we think, well, they're traditional, they're outdated, they've got nothing to do with us. But when we step back and we look at the different ways that the Bible describes the darkness that we all bring and contribute to the world, I think actually we'll begin to see and to understand a lot more the sickness that we have as a humanity. And then we can go and we can look at uh, how the Bible describes us fixing that. So these are the three words that we're going to be looking at this morning. Chata, Pesha, and Avon. No idea if that's how you pronounce them or not, so don't try and show off by using them. The first word is chata, and this is a word which means missing the mark, missing the mark. So I'm going to need a volunteer, someone who's going to come up and be with me and allow me to use them for the whole of the talk. So it's I'm just going to go for Rodri. I think I picked on uh, Charles the other week. Rodri, okay. Can you describe to the ladies and gentlemen of the audience what you have there? Uh, piece of cardboard. Piece of cardboard. What does it say on the top of it? Target. Target. Okay. One, five, ten, fifteen, twenty-five. Yeah. So "ghata" is a word that is used in relation to human beings in the Bible and the sickness we have, but it's also um, a word that's been used in archery, and it means missing the mark. So you've got a target there. You've got something for me to aim at. I've got a a Nerf gun, and I'm just going to improve my chances by strapping a laser to the top of it. Okay, and I want you to give me... There you go. I want you to give me a bit of a... Okay, I love this thing. Oh, who has played, who's been, Jamie, you've been playing with this, haven't you? Jamie Hurts, you've been playing with it. Okay, so give me a, give me a, I can hit it from there, Rod. This is, I'm a seasoned Nerf gun professional, okay? Okay, so there's a target here. Um, if I hit the target, great, I've got something that everybody knows I'm aiming for. There we go. Okay, and um, perhaps, perhaps, oh, Emma. Emma, I definitely will miss, because the whole point is the Qatar is to miss the target. Okay, so let's see what happens. Oh, Rodri, did I get it? Can I try one more, just to see, just to prove to you that I can shoot straight? Oh, well, that was a bit limp, wasn't it? So, Rod, you can put the target down. Don't go too far, because I'm going to need your help again in a little bit. But chetar is literally that. It's missing the target. It's used in the book of Judges in exactly that way. In Judges chapter 20, there's this description of a specific unit in an army. And it says this, There were 700 fit young men who were left-handed and could sling a stone at a hair and not chetar. They could sling a stone, left-handed, I can't illustrate it very much, but they wouldn't do what I did and hit Rodri. They would hit slap bang in the middle of the target. They would not miss the mark. It's also there in the book of Proverbs in this sense. So it's not being spoken about in relation to our darkness. But it says this, Proverbs 19 verse 2, even zeal is not good without knowledge, i.e. going off quickly without figuring out what's happening. The one who acts hastily, chattars, as in they've got a destination that they need to arrive at, and they go somewhere else by mistake. They've missed the mark. They've missed the goal of where they're aiming. And really, that is one of the biggest pictures that we get in the scriptures of the darkness that each one of us has, the darkness of humanity, why the world is so full of sadness and hurt. It's because we are constantly chataing. We're constantly missing the mark. But that begs the question, doesn't it? What is the mark? What is the goal? What is the target that we're supposed to be aiming for? Now, we could go back to Genesis chapters 1, chapters 2, when it speaks about mankind being made in the image of God and what that means. We would get to the same place, but I think there are two places really that we go to that show us the mark, the point at which humans are supposed to be aiming, the standard, if you like, or the goal of each and every one of us. Jesus clarifies it when someone comes up to him and asks him, really, what is the the fullness of the law? What is the most important thing of the law? And he gives the golden rule. Does anybody remember what the golden rule is? It comes in two parts. It's to love God with all your mind, soul, strength, and to love your neighbors as yourself. Yeah. So when someone comes to Jesus and says, really, Jesus, if I'm to be everything that I'm made to be as a human being, as an image bearer of God. What am I supposed to do? What is the mark? What is the goal that I am aiming for? What is the center of that target? Jesus says, love God and love your neighbors. And you find a very similar definition given by God in Exodus when he comes and he gives the Ten Commandments, literally written down for people to see and observe and follow. Now, I'm not going to expect anybody to recite the Ten Commandments, but think about them. Broadly speaking, what do the Ten Commandments teach us to do? Love God and love your neighbor. Yeah, they're kind of split into two halves of rules and laws that are how we relate to God and rules and laws about how we relate to others. And so in those two key places, this is the standard, this is the goal that is laid before us. To love God and to love each other, to love our neighbors. Now... I don't think it's that much of a stress, stretch for any of us to think about ourselves and to ask the question, have we hit that mark? Have we hit the target that God has created us to hit? Have we fulfilled the purpose? Are we living in that destination, if you like, of where we were supposed to be, of loving God with everything and loving our neighbors as ourselves? It doesn't take much for any one of us to say, no, I have chathad. I have definitely missed the mark. Some of us on a good day might think that we've come pretty close. Some of us on a desperately dark day might think that we are miles and miles away and can't even imagine where that target is in the room, which direction we're supposed to be shooting and firing in. But we can all kind of get on board with that picture, can't we? That first symptom of the darkness, though we are all mark-missers. But it's more than that. Here's the second word. The Bible uses another word often to describe our actions and our attitudes, and it's pesha. Now, pesha is a word that means breaking of trust, okay? So, missing the mark, having something that you're aiming for, and getting it completely wrong and pressure-breaking of trust. Rods, okay? Get the uh, You're happy, aren't you? Um, get the target back out. Now, you can hold it up. i tell you what. Uh, yeah, you can hold it up there. That's fine. That's fine. I'm a marksman. So, um, Rods, I promise that I'm going to shoot the target, not you. No, no hold it. I'm going to shoot the target, not you. I promise. Okay? Do you trust me? Say yes. <laughs> Say yes because it helps if you trust me. Yes. Yeah, and you would trust me because we're mates. Uh, we're both elders in the church. I'm your pastor. And I've just said in front of a room of people as well as impressionable young children who should not fire Nerf guns at each other that I'm not going to shoot it at you. I'm going to shoot it at the target. I would, I would feel more comfortable if it was, I wasn't going to maybe miss by mistake and hit Reese, okay? But look. Well, see, there's no need to worry. I'm just shooting them at the target, and you trust me? Oh, right in the bowler. Okay. Do you know, if Rodri had met a random person... Can I fill it back up, please, Rods? I'm enjoying this. Um, Fill it back up. Um, If Rods had just met a random person in the street, and the random person... Thanks, dude had said to him, oh, hold up this sign. I'm going to shoot some things at it, but I promise I'm not going to hit you. And then they ended up shooting him. Like, Rods would have felt bad about it, but there wouldn't have really been that relationship of trust in the first place, would there? And so it wouldn't be that bad of a thing to Rods. He'd just be like, oh, that guy's an idiot. I hate him. But when someone close to you, someone that there is supposed to be a relationship, an agreement with, breaks that trust, it hurts all the more. It's even darker. Uh, Two Kings opens up like this. After Ahab's death, Moab pressured towards Israel. So there had been this um, treaty that had been drawn up between Israel and Moab. And basically it was Israel won't go and destroy Moab as long as they pay them, um, you know, a tribute each and every year. Um, Kind of sheep from the flocks and things like that. There was, a, there was a trade agreement or a treaty. That's the word I'm looking for. There's a treaty drawn up between the two of them. And this is how Kings, 2 Kings chapter 1, the whole book opens up. Moab pressured against Israel. They broke trust. That agreement that was in place, that relationship was there, was done away with. In Exodus chapter 22, when it's going into the laws that should govern how we love God and love one another, it's speaking about the idea of taking something that doesn't belong to you. And it draws a distinction between being robbed by someone you've never met and who you've got nothing to do with, and being robbed by someone who is your neighbor. It paints this picture. You're going away for a little while, and you entrust something to your neighbor. And then it goes missing. In that instance, it says, it's not just breaking the law, but it is pressure. It is breaking of trust. Put yourself in this position, okay? Someone steals your wallet, or steals your phone, or steals something else that is really precious to you. It hurts. What happens when it's someone who is close to you? Someone who, whether it's been stated explicitly or implicitly, is supposed to have your back? What happens if it's your best friend? What happens if it's your relative? What happens if it's your husband or your wife or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or whatever that is? It hurts all the more, doesn't it? And what the Bible describes as humanity's symptom for our darkness is pressure. It's breaking of trust. It's that there's this spoken but often unspoken relationship that's supposed to exist between everybody. As fellow image bearers of God. We're supposed to what? Love God and love people. But we break trust. And when we don't do that, it hurts all the more. Now, I'm sure that many of us can think of examples in our lives where this has happened to us. Where we've been hurt by someone who is very close to us. The pain that that hurts. And you say, they're supposed to be the one. This is supposed to be the one who's looking after me. Caring for me. Providing for me. Loving me. And they've hurt me. Hurts all the more. Makes the world such a dark place. We can all identify with it being done to us. I think if we're being honest we can all identify with doing it to others. Of having been in that situation where for whatever reason we may have justified it. We may have felt terribly guilty about it afterwards. But we've pressured with someone else. We've hurt them. We've done something. We've broken trust with them. And when relationships are broken, it makes the world a much, much darker place. Okay, so to the last word, avon. Avon. Now, this is a word that means crooked and twisted. And this is used all over the place to describe, really, the condition of people's hearts and their desires. Not just that we've got a target to aim for, that we keep on missing, which we can do because we're not very skilled or because we don't know where the target is. Not because we've broken trust in some sort of way, but actually in our hearts, in our desires, we want to do that thing which we know is wrong. Rodri, one last time. You may or may not have already gathered, but I really, really enjoy (laughs) shooting people with a gun. There's your target. You can hold the target. You can cover your face with the target. because. I'll I'll swap. I mean, I'm hard. I like that's fair. Go on. And this one really fires. That one really fires. So go on. Take one right in the ribs. No, 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 no. Give you a good bullet. Here we go. I can see. But see, isn't this interesting from Rodri though? He really, really wants to get his own back, doesn't he? That is the desire in his heart. Come on, then. Shoot me. Oh, if you'd have caught me, that would have hurt, but you missed the mark, you catard. Yeah, there's just, there's just something about shooting people with these guns that is really, really fun. Uh, and even though it's naughty, kids, and you must never do it, Rods, you can sit down now. Otherwise, I'm just going to empty the whole thing on you. All right, there you go. I would shoot one into the crowd, but that would be dangerous. There's just something, and, and let's be fair, I, if I hand that Nerf gun to anyone in the room, the desire, the want in our hearts is to shoot it at other people. Even if we say, oh, look, mate, I, I'm not going to shoot you on your bare skin. I'll just shoot you through the clothes or whatever. That desire is still there to be like, oh, well, I wonder how much it will hurt, Rodri. Oh, that's just, and he's just got a shootable face, is not he? No, anyway. But that is uh, another way that the Bible describes our darkness. It describes it in terms of our crookedness and our twistedness in our desires that affect our actions, that make us into people who break trust and miss the mark. It's not just a case of not knowing or not being able to hit the target. I mean, this morning I proved I could hit the target. I actually wanted to do that which was wrong. I actually wanted to aim crookedly and shoot Rodri and give him some bruises. There's an example of this, Jeremiah uh, chapter 2, and it's the Lord speaking. He says, even if you wash with lye and with a great amount of bleach, the stain of your avon is still before me. So it's more than just actions, but it's the desires and the motives behind our actions. And you can think of this in countless examples, can't you, in the scriptures, of people who in their very core, want to do the things that are wrong. And they justify it in so many ways. When I spoke about us being people who pressure and breaking trust, when we've done that to others, my guess is we will try and we'll justify it and say, well, I I know it hurt them, but I just had to do it. I had to do it because what I think is right needed to be done. I needed to shoot Rodri in order to use this illustration to teach you. I can justify it, can't I? But really... It's just crookedness. This whole thing has been an opportunity to get the nerf gun out and to shoot people. We've been going through the book of 1 Samuel recently, and you can see all of these aspects, Khatar, pesha, avon, in Saul. Saul was that character, wasn't he, who failed time and time again, who strayed further and further and further away from the Lord. Think about it. How did he Khatar? Well, he was supposed to be the king who brought justice to the land. That was his target, if you like, especially in that position. And what did he do? Hunted down innocent David, slaughtered that um, town full of priests, constantly missed the mark of what it was to be God's anointed leader over the people. How did he pressure? Well, think about it. What happened was the people all gathered together And a relationship was formed, a treaty was formed, a covenant was formed between the two. Saul said, I will be your king, I will do X, Y, and Z, and you will be the people, and I'll look after you. And then in missing the mark, in doing those horrendous things, constantly he was peshing, wasn't he? He called a priest to give evidence against David and said, come into my court, tell me what went on. The implication being, if you tell the truth, nothing bad is going to happen to you. And he did tell the truth. And his whole town was wiped out. How did he Avon? Well, you just see it time and time again in his life. This wasn't the result of sensible thinking. It was the result of a twisted, crooked heart. Chata, Pesha, Avon. We see all three so clearly there. My guess is we can see fragments of them in all of us. Saul shows it to us spectacularly, but in all of us we see it, even if in the minutia. And the result is darkness, sickness for each of us, and with each person bringing their own darkness, a world that is, as Grandpa Joel described it, full of sadness and hurt. So last question then. Actually, in my head, I'm trying to think of another excuse to shoot you rods, but I can't. Um, last question. What is the answer? What is the answer to all of this? Because it's not very satisfying. I don't feel happy going back to Grandpa Joe and just saying to him, oh, the world is full of sadness and hurt because we're bad people, mate." And there are worse people than us, there are better people than us, but we're all bad people and that's why the world's a horrible place. What's the answer? Because none of us are satisfied with that. Behind the question is a desire to have a world that is better, isn't it? a world that doesn't have any sadness and a world that doesn't have any hurt. What's the answer? Well, so often the answer that we give is more humanity, better humanity, self-improvement, corporate improvement. If I strive harder in my life, I can blot out those words, blot out the darkness and be a person that's full of life, a, a, a self healed, self-made man or woman, child. Or if we as a society, as a nation, as a continent, even as, as a world, do these things, we can improve in such a way that darkness will be gone. Sadness and hurt will be gone. Let's get rid of all the plastic that we use, which is a fantastic idea, by the way. But even when we pull together in the same way, the world will still be sad and and dark and hurty. Even when we elect the officials to office that we think are the ones who are going to be the answer, going to be the solution, they might bring a little bit more prosperity to a small pocket of people. But almost always in every single instance you look at, it will be at the expense of someone else, at the hurt and the sadness somewhere else. When we say that the answer is more humanity or us improving our humanity, do you know what we're saying. To get rid of darkness, what we need is just a little bit more darkness. And that's nonsense, isn't it? It's like going into a dark, dark room in a dark, dark house and saying, you know, the best way that I can think of to brighten this place up is to paint the walls black. Simply will not work. Thankfully, the Bible goes further than that. It doesn't just shine a light on it like a doctor does, looking for the symptoms, but it provides a proper answer. And the Bible's answer is, Sunday school children, the Bible's answer is Jesus. The Bible's answer is Jesus. Let me just run through Jesus with you in relation to those three words. Jesus is the one human who has never missed the mark. If the mark is loving God and loving others, Jesus has never, ever khatad. He's never missed the mark. Jesus is the only human ever who has not broken trust. He is a faithful one. There were aspects of that in the reading that Rods began the service with. Never, ever broken trust. Jesus is the only one whose hearts can be described as pure and straight. Not crooked in his desires, twisted or corrupted, but pure. And so the Bible presents Jesus as to one, as one to us, who is what? Light. In the beginning was the Word, it says in John, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and he was the light of the world. Come into the darkness to bring life. That is the only way we can dispel darkness, is to bring in light. And Jesus, the Bible says, is light. He is able and offers to make all things new again. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, this is how Paul puts it. He who knew no sin, that is Jesus, became sin that we could be right once more with God. Let me put that in the language that we've been using this morning. He who knew no darkness became darkness so that we could live in the light yes grandpa joe the world is a dark dark place it's a dark place because so many other people are so full of darkness and even ourselves we bring darkness into the world and the answer isn't for us to try and brighten ourselves up as if we're gonna hit the mark keep trust and sort our desires out that ship has sailed The answer isn't for humanity to club together and find a solution ourselves, no. The answer is for the light of the world, for Jesus. It is for more humanity, but it's for the right humanity. The God-man who was perfect, the light come into the world. So what? If that's the answer, so what of a difference does it make to us? Well, I guess it would be to offer this caution, first of all. Be careful when we're pointing the finger. Be careful when we're casting judgment over others. It's so, so easy to see the darkness in others and ignore the darkness in ourselves. Bemoaning others, even bemoaning God for the state of the world. I don't think we've got anybody in this room this morning who could claim to be an arch villain in the story of history. And yet, we do our part, don't we? to make our own lives and the lives of those nearest to us just a little bit darker so often. So what? Don't point the finger. Don't blindly put your hope in other people or in yourself to sort this mess out. We simply can't and we simply won't. Instead, put your hope, put your trust in Jesus. He is the perfect one who has provided a perfect solution. He is the one full of light that has brought light into the darkness. Entrust yourself to him. He's come to rescue us. He's come to restore us. He's come to fix us, to heal us. He said, "It's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. Jesus has come to make us well again. To the point where he was able to tell his disciples, you are the light of the world the light which i have that i give to you that can shine into a dark world as well if you're a christian you can make a positive contribution in christ we're able to love god in christ we're able to love others as we should we begin to rebuild trust we can begin to have our desires put right again trust and hope in jesus the light in the darkness. I'm going to pray and Roger's going to come and he's going to lead us in song once more. We hope that you found today's message useful and challenging. And we want to take a moment to offer you some next steps that you can take right now. Why not get in touch with us via email at contact at amfordchurch.com if you have any follow-up questions or things that you'd like to discuss. If you want to know more about what's going on at Amford Church, make sure to like us on Facebook. And lastly, check out our YouTube channel for video teaching in addition to our sermon podcasts. Thanks for listening.